Welcome to Invest Stories, a podcast about real stories, real estate, and taking real action. Join hosts John Cooper and Kyle Robertson as they talk investing, mindset, and taking that first step. We all have a story. What's yours? The Invest Stories Podcast. Booyah! Welcome to Booyah. the Investories Podcast. Oh, give away the surprise, Kyle. With me oh, is... sorry. I'm John Hooper. With me is my co-host. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Kyle Robertson. Where have you been, Kyle? Man, I've been everywhere. Yeah, we, we had family vacation. Well, it wasn't family vacation. It was it was anniversary <laughs> vacation. We left the kids at home, but we uh, we headed over the pond and to your old neck of the woods, Europe. Not, not specifically the UK, but uh, yeah, we went over to... to to France for a bit. And then we moved down to Northern Africa to, uh, Morocco and which was incredible. It's my new favorite place in cool the entire place. world. And I loved it. If anybody's listening, you get a chance to do some traveling. You got to go check out Morocco. We went to Marrakesh and I could talk for three hours about how cool that place was. Did you go to the sushi bar with the big stalks flying next to it? I didn't. And it's full of Westerners all getting in and just going, oh, finally I can have a beer. So you, ta- <laughs> you talked about the sushi bar and we stayed at a Riyadh and uh, a Riyadh is like an old palace, 300 years old, only has five rooms inside of it. And I asked the guy, one of the hosts at the Riyadh about the sushi place. And he's like, sushi? I don't know. Sushi? What's sushi? And I- <laughs> so no, I didn't, I didn't get to go to a sushi place. But, oh yeah. man. Yeah, it's it's a cool it's a cool spot. It's a crazy crazy city. Yeah, it, uh, it's so chaotic and it's it the people the people were so amazingly friendly. Like I, it was just it, we we felt like we were local. Well, we didn't feel like we were locals, but we felt like we were welcomed <laughs> by all the locals. You know, it, it, it's a very different culture over there, and everybody was so welcoming. It was mm-hmm. it was it was wonderful. Well, while you've been away, investories have been. Uh, St- staying on the steady keel. I was going to say expanding. Yeah, we. <laughs> I figured it would have blown up since I wasn't here anymore. Yeah, exactly. You know, there was a spike in the numbers. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, one thing we have grown on is YouTube, and that's despite my terrible uploading videos. Uh, it's a lot of effort for me. I am trying to outsource it. I promise. Um, but <laughs> if you appreciate the effort and you're listening to this, please do jump on our channel. There's a link in the the show notes. Uh, give us a follow, like, subscribe, that kind of stuff. Um, we're we're really trying to monetize, and that helps us get to a monetization kind of position. And I think, Kyle, I'm going to give it some thought, and we're going to do a promotion to try and get our YouTube subscribers up. Hey, and our I love it. Up. And I it's cool. It. You get to see our faces. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's not a good thing. Yeah. You get to see how much Kyle's beard has grown in the last uh, few weeks. All that good stuff. Yeah, so. it's time for a trimming, anyways. But you know, John's right. You know, the monetization piece—it's—it's it's important because it allows us to continue bringing this stuff. You know, we, we can get some really class A type of, of uh, uh, guests that come on here, and it gets our it gets our name out there for more people to be able to to take in the content that we're trying to bring them. And uh, so those five star reviews really do, do increase our our exposure and. When people search for things like real estate or investing or money and stuff like that on these different platforms, the more that we get interaction from our listeners, it allows us to uh, reflect higher in those those search results. So we really appreciate everybody uh, supporting us, and, and please keep that up. And that leads us to today's uh, today's 
episode which is kind of different right kyle's really our guest but we do also have a guest in trevor uh trevor Pruitt, uh who knows kyle from from the gym right but just is getting yeah. into his real estate journey like so many of our listeners and this is so interesting because trevor's come on he's asked some questions the episode's coming up and it's a real deep dive into what are the questions you want to ask Kyle or any of our guests? Do you want to come on and ask people questions? Do you want to ask a syndicator questions? Do you want to ask uh, a arbitrage expert or someone in the financial space? Reach out to us. Podcast, uh, investoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can connect with us and ask us some questions and come on the show. And I'm, I'm super excited about this kind of uh opportunity, Kyle. What do you think? Absolutely. No, I love it. And and think about it. You know, this is almost like a an impromptu mentorship. Even if it's for an hour long, if you if you want to ask a particular industry expert certain questions, you can do it here on this show. We'll bring the expert and we'll also bring you and we can have a big old powwow right here where everybody gets to ask questions and learn from one another. And all you got to do is just reach out to us and we'd be happy to bring you on as a guest. You don't have to be a, a real estate expert to ask these questions. In fact, we would assume that you're probably not if you've got all of these questions for somebody who is. So please reach out and, and we'd be happy to, to walk you through that and, and connect you with somebody that can get all your questions. So what are we talking about today? So Trevor, uh, Trevor's a good buddy of mine. We met like, shoot, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, just briefly through a mutual friend and, and never really connected since then until about a year ago, I I uh, joined a new gym and Trevor was there and we kind of reconnected and and here just this week, Trevor said, hey, you know, can we, can we go out and, and have a chat about real estate? Because he's a real estate broker, but he wants to get into real estate investing specifically and he wanted to talk about markets. And he wanted to ask how you identify them, how you underwrite them to figure out if this is someplace that you want to invest. And, and uh, strangely enough, John, you and I were talking about these things in text message. And I thought, you know, why not just bring Trevor on and he can ask all of his questions on air and we can just have a three-way discussion about how you identify and underwrite markets. And, and um, I, I think it went really well. Trevor's a very knowledgeable guy when it comes to being a good real estate investor or a good real estate broker. And he's trying to expand that investor knowledge. And, and uh, so it was, it was great to be able to have the chat. And I think everybody will get, get a lot out of this. Yeah, there's some really cool nuggets in this conversation, um, specifically around the things you may not think about when you're selecting a market, uh, not just the kind of obvious stuff. Um, there's a lot of good content and, and kind of resources around where to find data and how to kind of work that data. And then also how to leverage personal relationships uh, to validate data and a ton on um, Magic the Gathering. Yeah. So stick around Who'd for that. Who would have thought, right? <laughs> It's really cool. We're actually, we and we'll get into that, but we're going to, we're going to have Trevor back on just to discuss. This is investories. We're not exclusive to real estate, even though that's the lion's share of the episodes that we, that we in, where we talk about that in the episodes, but he, he has this really cool business of, of in the collectibles market that I know nothing about. And so I'm super excited to, in a future episode, not this one, but in a future episode where we'll, we'll kind of hammer that stuff out. Cause I want to learn. It's pretty cool. And without further ado, here's the episode. Welcome to the Investories Podcast. I am co-host Kyle Robertson, and John Cooper is here with me, the host. He was gracious enough. We're doing the intro now. Are we? What are we supposed to be doing? You... I thought you were just going to introduce Trevor. We're keeping this in. <laughs> it would have sounded fine if you didn't interrupt me, John. Jeez. Yeah, no, it's okay. Bad production. Well, yeah, John's here too, obviously. So, um, <laughs> but we want to introduce a good buddy of mine by the name of Trevor Pruitt. 
Uh, Trevor, I've known here. I've known how long have we known each other for quite a while, but we haven't really got to know each other yeah. except for about the last year at the gym. Uh, we go to the gym together and we started talking shop and real estate. And uh, Trevor had some questions about stuff, so we figured we'd bring him on the podcast and and have him ask his questions live because you know you know how, how the elementary school teachers would always say, "Ask your questions," because somebody else in the crowd is going to have the same ones. So we figured we'd go ahead and bring him on for a Q and A session. Uh, we want to talk real estate and talk markets. Uh, and so welcome, Trevor, if you wouldn't mind giving, uh, you know, the crowd, the, the listeners, a kind of a quick background on you and, and what you do and, and uh, then we'll kind of jump into it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Trevor Pruitt. I have been into real estate just over a year now. I'm a licensed real estate agent in Oregon, but I also have a past experience of small business in the collectibles market for about 17 years now I've been doing it. And then that's been my mainstream of income my entire adult life. And then I started to diversify into real estate in the past year as more of like a side hobby, but also that's something I really want to look into investment into because I want to create more of a passive income and be able to retire before the age of 50, ideally. Absolutely. Love that. Hey, we're kindred spirits on that, Trevor. Trevor, what what collectibles? uh, My profession is in Magic the Gathering and Pokemon cards. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Oh, okay, cool. so he's he's playing it down a little bit. I'll tell you something about Trevor that he's not going to tell you. This guy has traveled <laughs> the world doing this. Yeah. So this isn't just like you go to your local shop and trade some cards and hope that you get something valuable. Trevor is like the go-to guy about these types of collectibles. I mean, what like what kind of places have you been to, Trevor? What where have you gone? Um, I've traveled everywhere from Tokyo to Amsterdam to Paris to Mexico City, Vancouver, Toronto, the Ant- I think I've been to 42 of 50 states in the U.S. now. So pretty much everywhere. We focus on arbitrage to secondary markets to pretty much everything you can really think of. Wait, there's arbitrage or magic and gathering cards? It's very, very big. Well, I, Kyle, I think this is an episode. I, I think you're right. <laughs> See, and Trevor and I have never really gotten into the, the nuts and bolts of this type of stuff, but... We could make an hour long episode just on this stuff. Yeah. This is this is pretty interesting. What is arbitrage in the collectibles market? How does that market. work? So in the United States, uh, casual play. So like you and I, if we picked up a game and played, it'd be very casual, something to do. You drink a few beers, hang out, play with your friends. But in other countries, such as like Europe or Tokyo, it's definitely more of a very a competitive market. So they only want cards that are focused around a competitive play, while casual play is has no real value. So you can go to these other countries, buy the casual cards for very, very cheap, and then bring them back to the United States and sell them. And it goes vice versa. So you could take your competitive cards and they'll pay more there. So then you basically just have effective arbitrage over and over again. That is super interesting. Yeah. It's like a, this is, this is perfect for investories, right? So I, yeah. I mean, can somebody make a real living off of doing something like this? Obviously, you've been doing it for 17 years. Has this been your primary source of income? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can make it as much as you want. Like, you could absolutely kill yourself flying all over the world. And you could probably make yourself a good couple million dollars over the course of four or five years pretty easily. Or you could do it passively and you can make probably anywhere between forty dollars to $50,000 a year working 10 to 15 hours a week if you know what you're doing. 
That's crazy. I've got this this image in my head of like flying to Cambodia and going into some dusty basement with like these big old jacked Cambodians coming out of the back, you know, just like a like a mob movie or something like that. Do you ever have anything like that happen to you? Nothing to that ex- extreme because most people in my industry aren't just very well versed <laughs> in like. <laughs> right. I'm usually the bigger person of the crowd, so. Oh yeah, right. It, it helps to have size. Yeah. Is that why you go to the uh, gym, Trevor? Yeah. <laughs> I just like it now. Like I've been across it for three years now, about, and it's, it's just really fun. Made a lot of good friends. It is definitely a community. I, I've made a lot of friends in the in the CrossFit world, and and uh, yeah, that's something I'm going to try to stick to for the rest of my life if I can do it, as long as my body will hold out. The injuries when you get when you get into your forties is uh, that gets that gets interesting. But it trains you well for especially for business because you get used to accomplishing hard things. And you think yeah. the tasks in business are usually challenging, so you have to kind of push forward through bad times, through down markets, through bad things that just don't make a ton of sense. But if you keep pushing when it's hard, and then it all of a sudden it'll get easy. I mean, look at the housing market. Like if you push through to like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, you got to you could have made a ton of money if you pushed through it and kept investing to 2014, 2015, you looked like a genius, but if you quit, then yeah. you would have lost all those funds. Right. God, yeah. That's brilliant. It's, it's amazing how many people quit. It, it's, you know, just stealing your nerves and having the constitution to stick through something like a, a, a market downturn is it's so difficult. Oh, We're kind of experiencing one now. And uh, it's really easy to sit back on your on your thumbs and just be like, you know what, it's just not a good time. And when you quit, you quit. That's it. It's over, right? So yeah. it's, that's that's a really good point. It's never quit. All right, what a great segue. And I, I know you've been in real estate for. I know you're a real estate broker, anyways. Do you own any real estate properties now, or are you investing? I currently do not. I've been attempting for the last year because I really would want. Ideally, I wanted to use the Burr method to be able to buy like a distressed property. In my area, I've been close to finalizing two different deals, but I have not been able to be successful. But then based on the price with the barrier for entry in my county or where we live, I thought maybe look outside of Oregon, outside of Lynn County to find something better and more affordable. Barrier for entry is a lot less. And that's kind of been my next play. Gotcha. What was the failure on the, the two deals that you tried to get across the finish line? What was the part that, that held you up? Um, price price point was mostly the same thing. For the Price was for the first one. We had a distressed property with a woman who wanted to sell. She had a deceased husband. We put out a price point we were willing to sell or we were willing to buy at. And then we had a had an agreement. She called us back three days later, refused to sign the contract, needed more she asked for another $90,000 on top of our $300,000 offer. She thought it was worth more. And then we just couldn't never come to terms after that. And then it kind of just fell apart. And then the second one we were pretty close on was we were going to use an FHA loan and move into the property and owner occupy. But it turned out the FHA loan would not accept it based on I want to say the last five years of market rent accepted from the property. Therefore, it did not pass self-sufficiency. So it cannot be used gotcha. in an FHA loan. And we ran into that issue twice. Gotcha. So Oregon is so, challenging. Oregon is very Oregon. challenging. Yeah. 
Trevor, when when was the um, the first instance? What, the first one was what, last what, August. What period was that? So about. Dang, I wonder how she feels about not taking uh, it now. I think it ended up. It Did took she her, sell? She it actually the property just closed last month. I want to say so she had to hold the property for another nine months before selling. But I think she got a little more than we would have offered her for it. But I mean, nine months of holding. Did she get ninety yeah. grand more? So she just didn't feel comfortable <laughs> with it. She also just didn't really have any idea what price was or what. It was more of like a sentimental thing to her. Yeah. So it's kind of hard for her to get over that. Those are tough deals to get. But the sentimental piece of it will kill more deals than anything else. Oh, absolutely. Especially so, with yeah, that's the age group that she was in. So. So what kind of what kind of uh, I guess research have you done as far as looking outside? Because one of the the, the main thing we're going to talk about today is how to identify a market. Mm-hmm. So as far as education is concerned, have you been doing any research into what type of stuff you you should be looking for? Um, very vaguely so far out of state. I just started looking into it. I would say in the last month because I just didn't have any idea where to go. I didn't know how laws would change, how different counties would affect things. Would you choose short-term, long-term, mid-term? What is the best approach to buying out of state? How to hire a property management company to manage this for you? This a lot of questions I didn't know the answers to yet. Yeah, I hear you. Um, okay, well, I, I think, you know, John, if you're ready, let's we can jump into some, some Q&A stuff, some specific let's stuff. Let's go for it. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, I guess, so I won't be asking you the questions. We'll kind of turn it around and, and let you ask some questions, some things that are that are on your mind about how to identify market, Trevor. Okay. Um, first one, I was right at the top would be how to choose which state to pursue. Yeah. So that that's a question I get on a regular basis. And it was a question that when, when I was first shopping out of state, out of Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, which was back in 2017, I didn't have the resources to, to be able to find this. And so I was just guessing, you know, and, and my first thought was, okay, well, I'm going to look at where I know. So that's what I've heard a lot in real estate circles is invest where, you know, and where I happened to know was where I came from, which was Missouri. I was raised in Missouri and I couldn't find anything. I was raised in Southwest Missouri, specifically Springfield. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I thought, you know what, I know the area. Still have friends and family there, so it just makes sense to focus in that area and see if I can find something. So I started looking around, couldn't find anything, and I started having the same questions like, okay, well, I've expanded. It's literally the only other state where I know anybody or know any areas, so mm-hmm. now what do I do? I can't find anything where I, where I came from, so what do I do? So I started doing a little bit more research, and about that time is when Oregon started to introduce things like rent control, and I already had some assets here in Oregon. And uh, I suddenly was finding it impossible to keep my, my properties at market rents or get out bad tenants because now they could just refuse to leave. Yeah. You know, 90, 90 day evictions, squatters rights, those things are just makes it really difficult. And people will exploit the system Absolutely. if they know it. It's amazing how many tenants will become, you know, practical <laughs> real estate lawyers by the time, you know, these types of bills are introduced. It makes it very difficult. Um, I started noticing the trend was in blue states. We're starting to see a lot of these types of things in in democratic states. Not, and I'm not a political person, so mm-hmm. I, I couldn't care less about Democrat or Republican or anything like that. I'm just I care more about what my, you know, my the way that my business runs. So I started realizing that red states were a lot more land, landlord friendly. Mm-hmm. 
And I didn't really care which ones. I just wanted to try to get in the market. I was just chomping at the bit, right? So I, I figured, all right, well, I'm in Missouri now looking around, can't find anything. So what's around it? You know, we're in the Midwest slash South. So maybe something around in the South would be, would make a lot of sense. And I just moved South to, to Arkansas was the first one I started looking at. And I started looking at what they're, what's that? Arkansas is literally the first place I started looking this month. Yep. Arkansas is, is where the vast majority of my portfolio is today. And for a lot of really good reasons, mm-hmm. the tax structure is great. It's a red state. Mm-hmm. Landlord laws uh, favor the landlord a lot more than they do the tenant. Now, I, I kind of hesitate to talk about this stuff because a lot of people want to hit the cancel button on me, right? Like, oh my gosh, this mean landlord wants to evict people. That's not the case. Without a tenant, I have no business. Mm-hmm. So why in the world would I want to evict a, a tenant, right? Unless they were a bad tenant, I need the ability to get them out because I still have things like mortgages, taxes, insurance, utilities, and things that I have to pay. And if that person's not paying, I need them gone so that I can cover my base. Um, Arkansas is the way is the the direction that I started going, and they reassess taxes every five years. Not at the, not at the time of sale. Not at um, you know, not on a yearly basis like a lot of states do. So if you buy something, you can actually underwrite it to the taxes that that are listed, depending on when that that five year period ends, which really really helps on your underwriting. It gives you a chance to to prepare for things like increased expenses because when taxes you know taxes don't go down most of the time, except for two thousand eight, you know you can kind of get a, a pretty good game plan together. So um, red states uh, would definitely be my focus mm-hmm. uh, to begin with. Something in the south. Um, I really like the Carolinas. They're super hot right now. Uh, obviously, Florida and Texas are at the top of every investor's list. So you're going to have a lot of competition there. I, feel, I really feel like even today, even I've been investing there for five or six years and it, there's 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 competition, but it's not people aren't chomping at the bit to get into Arkansas. No. I don't know why. You know, I've built my entire business on Arkansas and I, I support my entire lifestyle based on on the rents that come out of my, my assets there. So I, I feel like it's I don't know. I feel like it's a really good, a really good start. Okay. I like that. Did, did I answer your question? Yeah, I, very I, much I know so. you said, I mean, it. a lot of things okay. that I've been reading was direct myself towards red States strictly due to yes. tenant laws and landlord laws. And just the cash on cash return that I was seeing based on the numbers or what you're able to charge in rent for the overall cost of an asset was much more agreeable than anything I was looking at in Oregon. Like it was not close. Yeah. And I'm going to throw a blanket statement out there and this, this doesn't really apply a hundred percent, but it does apply to a lot. When you go into red States, a lot of times they end up being cash flow markets mm-hmm. and cash flow markets is what you're talking about with the lower barrier of entry. T- typically they're cheaper properties. Yep. So, but your rents are, they're also lower, but they're, they're not significantly lower. For example, a, a nice class A uh, apartment building, two bedroom, one bath, depending on square footage is going to run you somewhere around a thousand to you know, 1100, um, over here in Oregon, that's, you know, 1600, 1400, somewhere in that range. So they're not, it's not a huge difference, but the the price point is way, way less in Arkansas for that same asset as if it had been built over here in Oregon. That being said, when you get a cash flow market, you don't get as much appreciation. So your appreciation rate in a cash flow market like Arkansas is three to 5% per year in a normal year. You can't compare the last two years because everything went up by 20%. Yeah. You know, but uh, typically, typically it's three to five percent. In Oregon, you're getting five to ten percent, sometimes more. So, but you don't cash flow as well here. You know, your your barrier of entry is so much higher. Your your purchase price is so much higher that uh, you're just not going to make as much. But people will bank on appreciation in Oregon, which 
2008 taught us that that's not something you should be banking on. Cash flow is what creates long-term stability. Appreciation definitely contributes to creating wealth. That'll that'll make your balance sheet look really nice. Mm-hmm. But um, in in those in those red states, you know, you're you're not going to get as much property appreciation. Okay, that's good to know. Thank you for listening to part one of this uh, amazing interview. Uh, please reach out investoriespodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or investoriespod on Instagram. Uh, I think also the same on, on TikTok. Reach out, connect. Uh, we're always happy to hear from you, happy to get questions, and we'd love to get you on the show if you want to come on and discuss uh, any questions you have or anything you're thinking about or any tactics or strategies. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, Tuesday Techers, where we're going to dive into the kind of techniques and the strategies and that side of things. So uh, looking forward to connecting with you all tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Investories Podcast. We all have a story. What's yours? The Investories Podcast.